Amen. 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 It is good to see you guys today, this morning. And it's also good, even though, you know, sometimes we're in here, we're, we're used to hearing the drums and the guitar and the bass and all that, just to kind of, you know, silence our hearts and silence our minds, you know, and it's apropos for today's theme and what we're doing just to get the music. Like, you know, there was a song, a Christian hip hop song that talks about after the music stops. You know, and I think that that is really important for us to understand. And we're going to talk today about the discipline of silence, the discipline of solitude. And I think this is a, a discipline that oftentimes is overlooked. It's oftentimes we don't, um, we don't embrace. It's, it's oftentimes something that is needed, especially in a world that is filled with so much noise, so much clutter, so much um, uh, vying for our attention. Like when we go out, whether it's in our phones or hearing a ding, or whether it's um, or just going out and looking at billboards or uh, bus stops or whatever it may be, that we are constantly bombarded with messages and images and things that are constantly in it. And, and this discipline is about taking the time to stopping and slowing down, you know, from that. And I think it's really important that we, that we take this discipline serious. And what's interesting about this discipline is that oftentimes we are always looking for God in these big and grand and great things. It's just like it's clearly seeing there's this is the hand of God. But it's oftentimes in those still moments is where we see God. I, I remember I, I learned about this discipline early in my Christian life. I don't know how many of you guys know, but I, I wasn't raised in the church. I wasn't raised in the church. And when I came to know the Lord, I was, I'm around 20 years old, 19, going on 20 um, years old. So I didn't have a lot of background um, um, with Christianity. I mean, like stories like David and Goliath and Samson and Delilah, I was like, who are these people, right? I just did not have a lot of church experience. What I did know was football. What I did know was sports. So I didn't have any like gentleness to any of my approach to Christianity. Whenever I heard something, I was all in. Like when I saw people like Christians knowing their Bible, I was all in. I was just like, I need to know my Bible. So I was at a Bible study every single night because I, like, I didn't know kind of Christianity but I knew like practice makes perfect. I knew, so I was like in spiritual tour days. Like when I started off my Christian life, it was, I was all in for the Lord. I was going in because it was like, you know, in a moment, I didn't know about spiritual disciplines and all that, but I was just like, I need to get in because Christians know their Bible. I need to know. So, you know, just like any most things, I didn't have a gentle approach to anything. So when I started learning about this concept of silence and solitude, I was like, yeah, silence and solitude, let's go. And so it was one of those moments, it was a Valentine's Day. And one of those moments in Valentine's, my wife is already shaking her head, don't do it, don't do it, yes. I was in one of those moments and I was like, all right, I got it. I was in this time. I was like, it's me and you, Jesus. I'm going to silence myself. I'm going to be in my room. And it's just me and you, God. You are my Valentine. You know, when you don't have a Valentine, you're just like, God, you are my Valentine. But I lock myself in the room and I'm in the room all day. And I'm just like, oh, I'm getting it. And I remember I'm like locking myself and I'm you know, I'm listening to songs and music and different things. Like everybody, my roommates are knocking on the doors like, D-Lou, you okay? And they're like, it's like, but I'm in here and I'm just like trying to like, and what I went into, I was like, God, I want to hear your voice. Like, and I'm not talking about hearing your voice, like in kind of like speak to my heart, Lord type, hear your voice. I want to hear an audible dahati. Like, like I want to hear your voice. And so I'm in there and I'm doing, and so literally during this time, I so want to hear the voice of God. 
And this is what my wife is probably saying, don't do it, don't do it. So at that point, I was just like, I don't want anything that's going to keep me from hearing your voice. And so I'm like, I'm even stripping off my clothes. And so I'm laying in my bedroom naked. It's like, God, I want to hear your voice. And nothing's going to keep me from hearing. And then I remember that if God were to say something to me, he said, fool, if you don't get up and put your clothes back on, And it was at that point that I realized that oftentimes we look for God in the grand. We look for God in the grandiose. We look for God in all these big things. But ultimately, God is ultimately saying to us, listen, it's in the it's like in the Bible in Psalm 46. It says, be still and know that I'm God that there's something about this discipline of silence and solitude that allows us to hear God's voice greater than we can ever hear it in all the grandiose that we are constantly looking for in our relationship with God. And really what today is, we read the scripture, but we're really going to be all over and and hitting a lot of different things because really what I want to do is I want to give you basically three, um, four patterns. So basically I want to give you four patterns that patterns we see um, in scripture around fasting. I want to give you four purposes of why we fast. And then I want to finally give us four practices on how to fast. Four practices in all these patterns, these practice, these patterns, these purposes, and these practices are all centered around this one truth. This one principle is that silence and solitude is about fleeing the distractions of this world and pursuing intimacy with God. Silence, the discipline of silence and solitude is about fleeing the distractions of this world and pursuing intimacy with God. It's like, I want to hear your voice. I want to know you. And where are the things that we do? And so we want to look at this You know, because it's ultimately the reason why there's something that I'm not giving you something that you don't know. But too many times as believers, we fall in the ditches on on one side or the other. We either fall on the ditch of kind of FOMO and fear of missing out. So we always got the tyranny of the urgent and we can't be alone. We always got to be around people and we never get alone with God. So we have this kind of FOMO on one side, this fear of missing out. But then on the flip side, like we can be like overly like distracted with busyness and work. I don't have time because I got so much to do for God. I got so many things to accomplish, so many objectives and so many goals I want to do and be and meet, right? And so we go into these ditches that oftentimes, and then ultimately what it ends up leaving us is in apathy, right? When we recognize that loneliness leads us, when, when we are not willing to live in the way that God has created us, knowing that we would have been created for intimacy, what we do is that we end up hardening our hearts and we say, we don't need anyone. And when we begin to believe the lie, even the lie of saying, all I need is you, God. Because even though there was one person to ever live the earth, and it was just him and God, and who was that? Adam. Adam was the only person to ever live the earth live on earth, and it was just him and God. And what did God say? This is not good. This is not good. But in that verse, it says, this is not good for man to be isolated. 
The Bible translates as alone, but it, the word there is isolated. And we're going to talk about why that is there. And so, the, so when we talk about this discipline of silence and solitude, it is important for us to recognize that this is about fleeing the distractions of this world and pursuing the intimacy of God. And recognize a distraction can be anything that's good or bad. It's anything that keeps us from keeping the main thing the main thing. It's whenever, a distraction is whenever we make even a good thing an ultimate thing. It's what we do that distracts us from the reason why we are here. So there's four patterns, four purposes, and four practices that we have in here. So let's look at them. The four patterns that we see when it comes to this idea of silence and solitude. You know, what we see is these four. You see Elijah's encounter in the Old Testament in Mount Horeb. We see Jesus sought silence in the Gospels and solitude in the Gospels. We see that Jesus called his disciples to silence and solitude. And then we also see Paul, the Apostle Paul, one of the first um, missionaries to the Gentiles, um, also to fleeing to Arabia around this idea of silence and solitude, that he was pursuing intimacy with God. So very similar. I was glad to see that I wasn't alone. I wasn't alone. I wasn't the only one doing kind of having my naked journey, trying to hear God's voice. Because what we see is Elijah had not exactly the same pattern, but he had this thing. He was searching for God in all of the grandiose things. And what we see is in Elijah's encounter in 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings 19, don't turn there. Read it later. That is a story about Elijah. And Elijah is told to go to Mount Horeb to meet with God and to have some silence in solitude. You know, because like there's a war going on and there's enemy and Jezebel is after him and, and things are going and life is not happening in the way that he wished it would happen. And so he goes to Mount Horeb and he's sitting on the mountain in, in chapter 19. And basically he begins to complain to the Lord. He's like, God, I'm the only one. Where is everybody else? I'm the only last, I'm the last man standing. And God meets him there and he tells him in verse 11, uh, he says, go out and stand on the mountain in the Lord's presence. Go out in silence and solitude. And at that moment, the Lord passed by. And here he is that we're looking for God in all, ultimately, all the wrong places. So he says this, a great and mighty wind was tearing at the mountains and was shattering cliffs before the Lord. But the passage says, but the Lord was not in the wind. Um, yeah, the Lord was not in the wind. But then it says that after the wind was there, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And then verse 12, it says, and after the earthquake, there was a fire. And it says, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after all the fire and after all the earthquake and after all the wind, all these grandiose things in which we were looking for the clear hand of God, what we hear is that then a small, still voice came, a soft whisper. And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in the mantle and he went out and stood in the presence of God in the entrance of the cave. And suddenly the voice came to him and said, what are you doing here? Elijah. You see, in this pattern, what we see is that Elijah was looking for God in all of the grandiose things, in the earthquake, in the wind, in all of the things that were taking place, but it was in the stillness that he heard the Lord. 
and he began to commune with God. Right. But not only that, but we also see this 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 idea that Jesus also sought silence and solitude in the Gospels. We see this all throughout his ministry, his public ministry. And you see in Matthew chapter 14, 22 and 23, it says immediately he made his disciples get into a boat, go ahead of him and to the other side. And when he had dismissed the crowds, after dismissing the crowds, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray well into the night. He was there alone. Right? And so you see this practice that in the midst of his public ministry and in the midst of people clamoring to be healed and hearing about Jesus, what we see is that his seeking after silence and solitude. We see it in Luke, um, I'm sorry, in Matthew, Mark chapter 1, 35. It says that Jesus sought out, it says very early in the morning while it was still dark, he got up and went out and made his way to a deserted place. And there he was praying, right? And even in the midst of this, all of the disciples and the companions, his companions, they said they were searching for him. And when they found him, they said, everyone was looking for you. And Jesus said to him, let's go on to the neighboring village so that I may preach there too. This is why I have come. So we even see Jesus, that his very fuel, his very energy, the very source of what he did came in his quiet places was in his silence, was in his solitude, that it was the very preparation that we have. Again, we see Jesus in Luke 4, 42 through 44. It says, when it was day, he went out and made his way to a deserted place. But the crowds were searching for him. They came to him and tried to keep him from leaving them. But he said to them, it is necessary for me to proclaim the good news about the kingdom of heaven to the town because I was sent for this purpose and he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. So even in the midst of people searching for him, wanting to do ministry, you see Jesus getting away. And it says he's getting away because and for his ultimate purpose that he has. So we see, not only do we see it in the Old Testament with Elijah, we see it with Jesus. He sought silence in solitude. We see it with Paul and his disciples. Right, Paul um, fled Arabia, um, fled to Arabia and Damascus to pursue intimacy with God. Before Paul's public ministry started, he says in Galatians chapter one that he got away for three years and basically he was in silence and he was in solitude because he wanted to hear from the Lord. And so you see this oh, this pattern over and over and over again that we see Galatians. Chapter 1, 16 and 18 says, I did not immediately consult with anyone. I did not go up to Jerusalem to those who had become apostles before me. Instead, I went to Arabia, right? And then after three years, I did go up to Jerusalem. So after three years, you see Paul going to silence and solitude to hearing God in preparation right? And so we see these patterns. We see these four patterns that um, Elijah, Jesus, we see Paul, and then finally we see Jesus calling his disciples to flee, right? The temptations of this world to pursue intimacy with God. In verse 32 of Mark chapter 6 and 32, it says, so when they got into the boat by themselves to a remote place, but many saw them 
leaving and recognized they ran on foot and all of them were in the towns ahead. So God said, let's get away. And he even called his disciples to get away. You see, one of the things that we want to recognize that although when if you are to search the scriptures, there's not many direct calls to silence in the solitude, but there are clear, are clear patterns, right? They are, they are simply disciplines. And we talk about disciplines are a means of God's grace. That it is a way that we cultivate a heart to pursue God above all else. That is a way that we see ultimately these calls for silence and solitude were means of fleeing away from the distractions of this world to pursue intimacy with God, to be still and to know that he is God, right? And so you see these patterns, Old Testament, New Testament, and this is just a small sample size of the many patterns that we see. But not only were there patterns, but the question is why? What are the purposes of God? And there's four purposes that we see. We see that silence and solitude keeps our motives pure. Silence and solitude cultivates our trust in God. Silence and solitude creates space for intimacy. And silence and solitude cultivates our ears to hear, right? So they keep our motives pure. They cultivate our trust with God, create space for intimacy and, and cultivate our ears to hear. And this is where we pick up in uh, Matthew, Matthew chapter six. And you see these component parts over and over again that over we saw when you pray, when you give, when you fast, right? There's like this, the concept of when you fast and in each one, he tells us, don't be like the hypocrites. But instead of doing it in a way that you are doing it public, publicly into getting attention, instead, do it in private. Get alone with me. And so one of the things that when we see in this stanza, when Jesus is going, when you pray, when you fast, when you give, he says, don't be like the hypocrites. That the Bible tells us, Paul tells us that the goal of all of our instruction is a pure heart a sincere faith, a clear conscience. And the reason why we do the things that we do is to cultivate our heart to pursue God above all else. And sometimes we can even take the disciplines that we have and make a good thing an ultimate thing. The disciplines are means to godliness. The, the godliness are not the disciplines. There's nothing uniquely Christian about fasting. There's nothing uniquely Christian about silence and solitude. There's nothing uniquely Christian even about telling about our faith. It's not the means in which we go about doing it. It is the who we are speaking. It is the end to the mean. And so when Jesus is saying is that we got to make sure that we don't make a good thing an ultimate thing. Is it good for us to pray? Is it good for us to fast? Is it good for us to give? Is it good for us to cultivate the 12 spiritual disciplines that we've been going on? Yes. But he says, but don't make a good thing an ultimate thing. And he says the way that we don't, one of the ways that we make, don't make a good thing an ultimate thing is by this discipline of silence. In solitude, it's when no one else is around. It's when no one is there to give you praise. It's, no one, it's when no one is there to say, attaboy, right? 
It's just in the moment. It's in the moment. It's just when you're alone with God. Even the times that we have in here, what do you do in those like couple of minutes where we say, just sit, stand, and just think about God? I know for me, I'm just like, oh gosh, what am I supposed to do with this time? Like, you know, start looking at people. Like you, because we're so uncomfortable oftentimes with this discipline. We're so uncomfortable with just spending time quieting our hearts. We're not used to it. And so what he's saying is like, but this is a discipline that helps us to keep our motives pure. He says, don't be like the hypocrites when you give. Don't be like the hypocrites when you pray. Don't be like the hypocrites when you fast. Get away. Make sure that you are are coming, wrestling. Why? Because your integrity, it matters. Don't be like the Pharisees and say, oh, look at me. He says, your motivation, it matters. What's getting you up at night? What's keeping you, right? Right, your posture, it matters. And then, so he tells us that our silence and our solitude is one of the means that helps us keep our motives pure. In a day of self-promotion, when we tell people what we're eating, take pictures and snap it on Instagram. Right? We tell people everything about us and every ounce, and we just let to get more views and get more clicks and get more likes and get more. Like it's silence and it's solitude. It's in the quiet place where we don't tell anyone. We don't look for that, is where we find that we are able to keep our motives pure. What is another reason why we keep it? It's because it helps us cultivate our trust with God. If you were to keep on tracking through that, we read six through um, um, eight, one through 18, but if you keep on going, it says basically, he says, listen, in verse 19, don't store up for yourselves treasures on where earth and moth will destroy. Verse 25 of that same chapter, he says, don't worry about your life and what you're gonna eat and what you're gonna drink. Don't worry about the, all this. He says, don't the lilies of the field and don't, then he says, all these things. He says, listen, when you are in silence, when you are in silence, when you are being still and knowing that you are God, he says, here's a new alternative. He says, but first seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of those things, they'll be added on to you. He says, but the problem is, is that too many of us are having the tail is wagging the dog. We're living for the applause of man. We're living for our finances. We're living for things. And you know what is producing anxiety? And so he tells us, don't be anxious about these things. Your heavenly father knows. He says, but be still. Know that I'm God and I'm here. And he says, if you would first seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Remember, this is chapter six. He's already told us of how we seek God in the secret place. In the quietness of our hearts. Not a boasting before men, but in the quiet places of God. In our silence and in our solitude. We seek after God. And he says, those things will be added onto you. Why? He says, because... The world's problems, the things of that world, they'll be there. They'll be there tomorrow. He says, but you focus. Allow the silence, allow the solitude to cultivate our heart to pursue God above all else. To cultivate a trust in God. God, I'm stressing out. I'm stressing out about the the mortgage. I'm stressing out about the bills not being paid. I'm stressing out about the things, right? And what is our immediate action is like to do something. 
You know, many of us have a Jacob-type faith. You know what I'm saying by that Jacob-type faith? Jacob was one of the people in the Bible that, like, Jacob was like, I trust you, God, as long as I can manipulate the circumstances in my favor. Right? You, I mean, y'all, I know I have that type of faith. Like, like I trust you, but I got to go and, you know, make, act like I'm Esau and I got to, you know, and, like, I trust you, but I'm going to do this thing with the lamb and the sheep and I'm going kind of do my own thing. Like, it's just like, I trust you, but I got to kind of make sure that the odds are in my favor. Right? And so this is the kind of thing, it's just like, but when we are in solitude and silence, when we make it like, God, I'm just going to be still and know that you are God, what we are ultimately saying is that I'm going to flee the distraction, the good things and even the bad things, so that I can pursue intimacy with you. And the reason why I'm going to do that, because I'm recognized that even when I'm not at work, God, you are at work on my behalf is do we trust God? Are we cultivating our trust in God? You see, and this is what the discipline of silence and solitude, it does, it cultivates a trust in God. That in that, in that verse in Psalm 46 where it says, be still and to know that I am God, he basically says, stop, at, stop warring. Stop fighting, you see, because you begin to fight on your behalf when you feel like no one's fighting for you. And your silence and your solitude says, God, I'm afraid, but I know you're fighting for me. So I'm going to rest. I'm going to trust. Right? And so we do that. We recognize. And so it says, be still. Know that I'm God. You see, our silence and our solitude, it does that. It gives us a pure motive. It allows us to cultivate our trust in God. But it also, our silence and solitude creates space. For intimacy. Silence and solitude creates space for intimacy. It's like, let me just uh, make sure you hear that. It creates space for intimacy. It's not an escape from reality. Our silence and our solitude create space because we want intimacy. It's not an escape from our reality. Do you understand that there's this thing that we have and it's called loneliness? You know, if you went to Known 360, basically one of the things that, we, it's one of the things, programs that we have about knowing ourselves, others, and God. But in there, we talk about loneliness. And in loneliness, basically one of the things that we say is loneliness is one of the eight core feelings that we have. And loneliness is not a bad thing. It's just, it's a thing that lets us know that we were created for intimacy. That you can have loneliness for yourself. You can have loneliness for others. You can have loneliness for God. And you can even have a loneliness for creation and purpose. Right? And so loneliness is the feeling that lets us know that we are created for intimacy. Right? It speaks to the deep hunger that we have to both belong in the matter. That that's, that's what loneliness is. And basically, if we pursue loneliness, that the gift of loneliness is intimacy. But you see, creating, when we recognize that we are lonely and we don't run from that, then we recognize that we are lonely for something. And for the purpose of this series we're talking about, it's a loneliness oftentimes that we have for God. For something bigger, for something greater than us. Right? But if we're not willing to confess our loneliness, what ends up happening is that we begin, we become apathetic. Right? You've heard the statement, hurt people hurt people. But what I say is that hurt people are not willing to confess their hurt, become resentful people. 
And resentful people become revenge-oriented people, and revenge-oriented people hurt people. So hurt people who are not willing to confess their hurt, they hurt other people. Lonely people who are not willing to confess their loneliness become apathetic people. And apathetic people make other people lonely. I'm not going to care. I'm done. I'm resolved. I'm shutting down. I'm not going to feel anymore. I've been hurt too many times. I've become apathetic. I'm not going to let anyone hurt me again. Hard-hearted, right? And so hurt people hurt people. What I would say is lonely people make other people lonely. But it's lonely people who are not willing to confess their loneliness. But if you're willing to confess your loneliness and say that I've created for intimacy, then you then, instead of embracing your loneliness, you reach out. Hey, I'm by myself. I remember my daughter, she was like, hey, you know, she, she was talking to my wife and she was just like, when she was young, she was like, mom, I don't have any friends. I'm lonely. I'm lonely. And then she was just like, well, go make some friends. And so that, that later on that afternoon, she came back to mom and was like, mom, mom, I got a new friend. I got a new friend. And she was just like, well, how did you make a new friend? She's like, well, I said, I went up to a friend and says, hey, I'm lonely. Will you be my friend? Right? You see, when you're young, that's how you treat. You feel lonely and you do something with your loneliness. But we're too grown for that. We're too sophisticated. So instead of saying that I'm lonely, we says, I'm not going to say that I'm lonely. I'm good. And then what do we do? We become apathetic. And then now when we're with other people, we act like we don't care. And you know what I just did? I'm making you lonely. Because I'm not willing to confess that I'm lonely. So when I act like I don't care with you, I make you lonely. Lonely people who are not willing to confess their loneliness make other people lonely. And this is why in the Bible where it says it's not good for man to be alone, that real word there is it's not good for man to be isolated. Isolation is different than solitude or loneliness. Loneliness is confessing that I'm created. For relationship. Isolation is me trying to get away from my heart and get away from the pain of being lonely. And so the Bible says it's not good for man to be isolated. He's saying it's not good to recognize, not to recognize that you have been created for intimacy. You have been created for relationship with God, with others. And instead of hardening in your heart, reach out but because of that vulnerability that we have. And, and so we recognize loneliness is the thing that we have that lets us know that we've been created for intimacy. Isolation is the thing that we do to get us away from our loneliness in our heart. And solitude is the discipline that we cultivate to bridge, those, to bridge our intimacy with him. Right? And so what we have, and we recognize that the goal of Christianity is not perfection. The goal of Christianity is a fight against isolation. Sin isolates us. Sin makes us go away. Sin makes us reject everybody else. And it says, it's the woman you gave me. It's the pastor you gave me. It's the leader you gave me. It's the parents you gave me. It's the children you gave me. It's always somebody else you gave me. All the while, you're really saying, I'm lonely. And I just want to be loved. I just want intimacy. But instead of confessing, that and saying I'm lonely and disciplining yourself to say, God, I'm lonely for you right now. 
right? And then we start asking God for the miraculous, right? Where's the earthquake, God? How do I know you're here? Where's the tornado? Where's the wind? Where's the fire, God? How do I know? Give me the big thing. But all the while he says, no, just sit and listen. Be still and know that I'm God. You're lonely, right? And so silence, solitude is the discipline. It's the spiritual discipline that helps us to eliminate the distractions of this world, whether good or bad, to pursue intimacy with God. And so this is what we see. So we got to be honest with our loneliness, be specific in naming our loneliness. We got to be doing it in the fourth is this, silence and solitude cultivates our ears to hear. The question becomes, and I'm asking you right now, what is the Spirit saying to you right now? What has the Spirit been speaking to you? Right? In a crowded and noisy world, we have to understand what the Spirit is saying. And it's sort of like when I think about this concept of like the reason why of cultivating our ears to hear is sort of like when, whenever, you know, like when there's a lot of clamoring going on and you're trying to hear something, like, shh, be quiet, be quiet for a minute. Why? Because you want to hear, you're trying to listen for something. Silence and solitude is, is kind of a spiritual discipline. Like, shh, be quiet for a minute. It's quiet in the noise. It's quiet in the Twitter. It's quiet in the, the news. It's quiet in the distractions. It's quiet in all of the things. It's shut up. I'm trying to listen. And it's trying to hear the the voice of God, right? And this discipline allows us to cultivate that. And when we engage in that discipline, it's not just about fleeing the distractions of the world, but it's about pursuing. We're quiet and shh, shh, shh. And you're listening. God, I want to hear you. Are you speaking to me? Right? So when we're talking about like silence and solitude. We're not talking about just getting in your room and like, you know, like when they talk about empty your mind, flow. Like we're not talking about that. Like what we're talking about is that we're talking about like, like intentionally quieting the distractions so that you can hear the voice of God. Because sometimes even your own voice is not something you want to be hearing. A lot of the self-talk lingo that you hear, it's not good. You, what you really want is to hear the voice of God. And so when we're disciplining ourselves, we are cultivating our ears to hear from God because what your problem is only going to be solved with God. God's speaking to that. And so we recognize that. And so you see the four patterns that we see. We see the four purposes that we have. And lastly, the four practices, the four practices of silence and solitude. And this is real simple. It's not going to be a lot of things. It's going to be simple. Four things that you can do for silence and solitude. Number one, silence your phones. Silence your social media. Like, silence it. Number two, set times in your calendar. This is a date day. This is a date time. God, is just me and you, right? You know, b b back, going back to silence your phones, you know there's this thing that I, I fell in love with. There's this thing called Focus on your iPhone. I don't know if they, you know, the Androids have it, but you know, <laughs> shot, one shot, Android. Like, but 
like the idea is just like there's this focus mode. And guess what? It's a great thing. And my wife hates it because I keep my phone on focus. All the days I've been trying to get with you, I've been focused. Right? You don't have to be like me. And I keep that thing on from eight to five. I keep it on focus. But you don't have to be like that. But when you set times, when you silence your phone, put that thing on focus. Don't get distracted. Put the thing away, right? Silence your phones. Set times in your calendar. There are times in my day where I am intentionally getting away. I'm intentionally getting away. Again, when we're thinking about this, like sometimes there's this big kick right now going on silent retreats. Those could be great. I've never done it yet. I haven't graduated there yet. However... Like oftentimes when we think about these, we think about silent retreats and we think about this massive things. Like we don't need to do that grand thing. Just spend five minutes. If you are constantly bombarded, just take for five minutes. Some of us feel uncomfortable about the two minutes that we do here. Right? Just spend some time. Put it on your calendar. Put your phone on focus. It says, I'm focused. Lord, I want to hear from you. I want to quiet the distractions of this world so that I can pursue intimacy with you. Start with five minutes, then go to 10 minutes, and then go to however long your heart's desired. Graduate to the varsity level and go on a silent retreat. And when you do, maybe I can come with you. We could be silent together. Silence your phone. Set times in your calendar. Select special places to do it. Go to a, have a place, whether it's in your house or whether it's on a walk or whether, like, have a certain route, have a certain thing that's like, this is my time where I'm intentionally crowding, uh, I'm, you know, getting rid of the distractions of this world so I can pursue intimacy with God. Like, you kind of want that place to be your trigger for you, that this is just a place what I do. Well, I get that intimacy with God. Silence your phone, set times in your calendar, select special places, and finally, when you're there, sit and listen to God. That's the goal. We're not being silent for silence's sake. We're being silent so that we can cultivate intimacy with him. And so that's really, that's simple. You ain't got to go to seminary for this. This is free, Right? This is just simply, this is just basics. God wants us to cultivate a a relationship that pursues him above all else. And this discipline of, of, of silence and solitude helps us to keep our motives pure. It helps us to know, God, we need you. We want to hear from you. We want to discipline ourselves for the purpose of spiritual disciplines. Right? And this is our heart. Thanks for worshiping with us. For more information about Blueprint Church, visit us online at blueprintchurch.org. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Blueprint Church. Have a great week, and we'll see you next Sunday.